this tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 195 with Coach Kyle Snipes. He's the head girls basketball coach at St. Pius X High School in Atlanta, Georgia. Kyle Snipes enters his 12th season as the head girls varsity coach in 2020-21 and is also the communications coordinator at St. Pius X. In his first 11 seasons, the Golden Lions are 232 and 93 and have captured two state championships and four region titles. In 2020, the Golden Lions finished 21 and 8, won the Region 8 championship, and advanced to the second round of the state playoffs for the second straight year. The 2019 squad finished 14 and 15, was region runner up, and advanced to the second round of the state playoffs. Advancing to the state tournament for the eighth straight year in 2018, the Golden Lions finished 14 and 12. In 2017, St. Pius X finished the year with a 12 and 17 record and qualified for the state tournament. In 2016, the Golden Lions finished 17 and 11 and advanced to the state playoffs for the sixth straight year. The 2015 campaign concluded with a 27 and 4 record and an elite eight appearance in the state tournament. The Golden Lions also finished 18-0 in Region 6A, the fifth consecutive undefeated region season, including a string of 75 consecutive regular season region wins dating to January 2010. In 2013 and 2014, the team finished with an identical 30-3 record and back-to-back AAA state championships. The 2012 campaign finished with another state playoff appearance and a 24-5 record, including a second consecutive undefeated season in subregion play. In 2011, St. Pius X finished 25-6, capturing the Region 5 championship by defeating AAA number one ranked Columbia and advanced to the Elite Eight for the first time in four seasons. 
In his first season, the Golden Lions finished 18-9. and Snipes joined St. Pius X after coaching stints with the women's basketball programs at Georgia Tech, UNC Wilmington, and Georgia State. Prior to coaching women's basketball, Snipes spent five years on the men's side at Wake Forest and Erskine College. During his time in Winston-Salem, the Demon Deacons captured the 2000 National Invitation Tournament Championship. He also was mentored nine all-conference players in his career. Snipes earned his Bachelor of Arts in Communications from Wake Forest University, where he was a student manager with the men's basketball team, which won the 1995 ACC Championship. He completed his Master of Education degree from Liberty University. Snipes is a native of Hillsboro, North Carolina, and is married to the former Melissa Jenkins of Houston, Texas. The couple has three daughters, Megan, Molly, and Mary Mason. Coaches, let's welcome Coach Kyle Snipes. Hey, Kyle. Okay, good. All right, we got you. <laughs> hey, welcome to the podcast, man. It's, um, I appreciate you joining me on this uh, on this Friday, man. I think you're probably getting ready for school, aren't you? We are. We start. Well, first, thanks for having me. Uh, we're um, <clears throat> we start. I, we head back August fifth, and then the students come back the twelfth. Oh, okay, so you're a little bit later. Yeah, we're actually. We're one of the earliest schools. I think we're trying to prove a point, like we can start early. I mean, our, our school is crazy, but uh, man, it's, right now it is the most different. And I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that way. I mean, we it's it's not the same as usual, is it? No, no, it's not. Um, you know, you're getting emails about would you rather work from home or um, you know that our kids. You know, we. Um, Thankfully, they're going to be in school. But, you know, all the emails we're getting about the protocols, what we can wear. I think we got one yesterday that we can wear scrubs, you know, uh, like professional looking scrubs, not um, wow. not like, uh, you know, a bunch of, you know, no designs or anything on them. But <laughs> I'll still wear a polo and khakis. But, uh, you know, yeah, just yeah, times are, yeah, times are different. Uh, hey, we're, we're so glad to have Kyle Snipes here, the head girls coach at uh, St. Pius in Atlanta. So excited. Uh, 
I try to interview as many Georgia coaches as I can because I know our state has a bunch of good ones that a lot of people don't realize that we have. Um, Kyle, tell a little bit about uh, growing up in the game and talk a little bit about yourself, how you just kind of fell in love with the game and became a coach. That, that, that's, that's really it. I grew up right outside of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, uh, right there in the middle of Tobacco Road. So um, I grew and I grew up when uh, at first it was Norm Sloan was at NC State, Dean Smith mm-hmm. at Carolina, uh, Carl Tacey at Wake Forest, and uh, Bill Foster at Duke. And then I'm starting sure. to myself a little bit. And then, you know, Shashevsky <laughs> and Valvano came in uh, to Duke and State, respectively. And, and, um, and I just kind of got hooked. You know, there was a good game every night. We actually had season tickets to, to Carolina, which is funny when people find out I went to Wake Forest. Um, <laughs> and uh, I didn't miss any, you know, Carmichael Auditorium. Uh, would go, you know, didn't miss any games there. Uh, missed a few at Smith. Of course, I think the first game I really ever missed was the first game when I was at Wake Forest as a freshman. Uh, I went there and, and was a, you know, I chose, chose to become a student manager there uh, when Dave Odom, uh, I think it was his third year there. We had a nice run. We had Rodney Rogers, uh, Tim, uh, Randolph Childress, Tim Duncan. Yeah, good team. Really good team. Teams, you know, and uh, and Rodney, I, I, we were at uh, our high schools. Rodney Rogers went to Hillside. I went to Orange. So we played against each other in high school, um, our schools. And I knew him. Um, I had known him for a long time. And then just kind of, you know, got the bug being a manager. And for four years there with Coach Odom and, and went away to coach at Erskine College in South Carolina, small division two school in due west, South Carolina was uh, fortunate to be able to go back with Coach Odom at Wake Forest in basketball operations at the end, 98-01. When he left there, I bounced down here to Tech with the women, with Agnes Baranato and Michelle Joseph, and then UNC Wilmington for a couple of years, and then back here with Georgia State. And then, uh, and then the, you know, Melissa, we, we, um, Melissa got pregnant with Megan, and – it just felt like the right time. The pious job just happened to come open at the right time. Agnes had sent her kids to school there. I reached out to her to see if she could just help me with a conversation with the athletic director. And, you know, now here we sit 12 years later. Yeah, and you done a fabulous job there. Um, and it's just, just a consistent winner. I enjoy talking to coaches. Yeah, I think the other day I spoke with a coach who's just starting out but is having immediate success. I think what's a good sign of a coach is what you do over time, right, Kyle? You've been consistent over time. Well, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you know, you think of, you think of coach Smith at North Carolina and, um, and obviously coach Wooden at UCLA and then, and even coach Tacey and coach Odom. And I'll I'll go back to wake, you know, uh, coach wake, wake's a very, you know, it was a very difficult place to, to win, you know, sustain success because, you know, it's Carolina and Duke and NC State there, and you're kind of getting the fourth. I don't want to say you're getting the fourth because we we were able to get good players. But, you know, most kids don't dream when they grow up in North Carolina, they dream to go to Carolina or Duke, um, maybe State. I, I don't know. Um, so the su- success they were able to sustain and the kids they were able to get there and recruit, um, you know, it's just – being consistent is, is the main thing and, and being able to, to adapt 
uh, adapt to to the players as over the court. Even in my 12 years here, I've had to adapt with how they've changed from, um, you know, the first group. They were really into scout reports. They were really into pre- preparation for the opponent to now we're just more – you know, we, we and and it was all paper. You know, you give them paper now; they watch <laughs> more film. You right. know, we uh, we've tried this a couple of times with the technology. Try to teach something in practice, and then ha- you know have them record something at home. Say, you know, tell us what we taught today. Um, I'm drawing a blank of something I could I could uh, t- you know how we're going to defend this particular ball screen. What's the ice method on the side screen and roll and and uh, see if they can teach it back, see what they picked up out of it, and see if we need to change how we're, how we're teaching things. You know, it's just funny how it's, how it's changed where it's so much more technology-driven, you know, and they, they see the kids, at least our kids, want to see it uh, in film. They have to see it, see it drawn up, and then they, they can walk through it. And then they're, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just funny how it's how it's changed, and you just have to adapt to it. And I think all those good coaches have adapted to it. I don't know that I've adapt, adapted to it as well as, as those guys do. I, but um, you know, we've just tried to stay consistent with everything that we do, and and uh, except I've scheduled too hard a few years. But uh, other than <laughs> that, other than that, um, you know, it's just I think it's more adaptation, if that makes sense. Oh, I totally agree. I think high school, that's, that's an, that's an immediate criteria right there, Kyle. So at high school, man, you better adapt because, you know, you, you know, you're, you got to take what you have and build from that. Uh, well, actually some schools don't, but that's another right. issue. But, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, you got to take what you have and try to make something happen. Hey, talk about the key people in your life. I know I have some great coaches like Gene Durden, guys like that who have, sure pretty much helped shape my philosophy who has helped shape yours well you know uh and, and i was talking about this with the former uh, uh well he's not a for he was a, he, he he was um an assistant at wake when i was its manager there and uh we were talking about last week about how we both felt like we were so uh fortunate to be able to work with uh you know coach odom as early as we were in our careers because he was so good, at, and this is going to sound funny when I say this. He was so good at managing uh, managing the losses. You know, some coaches live and die by every. Uh, you know, it's up and down, up and down. And uh, he was kind of steady Eddie all the way through. Um, you know, treated treated each game the same, regardless of whether we were playing. You know, a game you're supposed to win, or you're playing. Um, you know, North Carolina or Duke or somebody of that ilk. He, uh, yeah, just just the ability to be able to put the loss behind you by the next morning after we watch the film and roll on, get ready, make the corrections, get ready for the next game. I think that was huge for me, how, how he um, was able to, you know, not let the wins and losses define who you are as a person. Um, know that this game is, and I'll never forget him saying this one time, you know, this is really a game for kids that us adults screw up really. Um, it, you know, it's supposed to be fun. And we, we put too, you know, sometimes we put too much, too much pressure on the kids or, or whatever, just because of the wins and losses. But, but um, that, you know, this is what we do. You know, it, it's not as much who, who we, you know, it is who we are. It's a makeup of who we are, but there's also much more to us and to life than just, 
ball. And I think that helped a lot um, throughout my career. Some, some people I worked with, uh, I wish they could have worked for him like that. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the other, the other gentleman was, uh, you know, Ralph Patterson was my first head coach as an assistant coach in my first job out of school as a coach. And um, just, he was, he was really the same way. And the other thing, you know, at that level, at division two and at Erskine, we were a little different in that we weren't able to go out and get, you know, some junior college players that, that uh, the other schools in the league could. So, you know, we, we felt like we did a pretty good job, a, a good job with who we had, you know, a lot of nights we were going up against grown men, you know, um, with, with young boys. Um, so, but how we managed that and how we tried to squeeze every ounce out of them and, and, uh, pr- again, preparation, um, and, and, uh, I lost my train of thought there on that one with, with her. Oh, the other thing was with just the two of us, I really got indoctrinated into every part of the program. You know, I, I was not just coaching one, uh, one particular position, you know, you bounce from post to perimeter, um, you know, doing a majority of the scouting, um, you know, obviously recruiting, you know, uh, the bulk of the recruiting out on the road, uh, evaluating. So that job was great because I got to do it, having a hand in a lot of everything. Um, so those, those are two of the, the, the prime ones. The other thing with Coach Odom that I got from him was the preparation and the scouting and the game planning. He was – that was what he – his bailiwick – um, who's really, really good at that. And, um, and, you know, we changed, yeah, I'm not, you know, everybody talks about how Belichick changes such tweaks things from game to game. Coach was really, really good at that. We weren't really the same team every game. We would, you know, maybe put something in or maybe put a tweak in a play or t- uh, defend something differently than we have in the past. Uh, or the particular time when you're playing the double round robin in the league back then, you don't do it anymore um, with, you know, whatever the, the 16, 15 teams they have now, um, you know, tweaking something from game to game. So you're not seeing the same team every time. Um, and a lot of that had to do with, you know, um, uh, talent wise, what, when you're going up against some other teams and, uh, and so th- those two things. And then, of course, the coaches around here that I've coached against uh, or have become good friends with, uh, obviously Gene Durden, uh, how he's been able to get uh, buy-in throughout his entire program. Um, I wish he'd write a book or something so I could read it. I'd love to just you – know, <laughs> coaches don't get sabbatical years, you know. Um, right. Teachers or professors get to do that. Coaches don't. I'd love to stay embedded with them for a year. But then, you know, then I have to find another job because I don't think Pies would let me take a year off. Um, <laughs> uh, Eric, Eric at, at uh, um, Dawson County now, but North yeah. Side, when we would uh, get together during the summers, um, you know, his his team, our team, uh, Eric Willis has become at North Oconee's become like the brother I never had growing up. Um, he really, you know, he's he's. He's been a really good friend, and he's made us better as a team and made me a better coach just by having to prepare to play them. Uh, I think we've played each other 12 times in, in the last four years in the same league. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out. So uh, I apologize if I did. No, nah, not at all. The ones, you know. 
Yeah, I, um, I, I have very thankfully I had uh, all three of those guys on the podcast, and I know. Uh, matter of fact, Eric Wells and I, man, we're supposed to play some golf, man. I, oh, should I get strokes from him, or or uh, what? I hear you should get strokes. I've never played with him because honestly, I used to play a lot, and then Megan was born eleven years ago next Wednesday, and I think I've played twelve times since then. You know, so <laughs> exactly, you're a busy man. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, three girls. No doubt. Yeah, and all three, all three of those guys. And it really, I tell you, Gene Durden to me has the most unbelievable coaching tree with all the people he has influenced. Um, and but you know what? All of us, don't you agree? Like now, in your latter part of your career, um, you know, you're trying to influence either assistant coaches, your players, aren't you? I mean, we're always trying to influence. Oh, sure. Yeah, um, especially. Uh, you know, we've been fortunate that, that we've had uh, three kids that played for us come back uh, and work for us as assistants. And I think it's, you know, I used to make fun of, um, not really make fun, I just kind of, not not in public, but I I would say, you know, oh, okay, we're going to go hire, hire a former player to be an assistant so that, you know, uh, but, but somebody else doing that. But now that I, then when, once you get them there, you really think about, you know, they played here. They have a vested interest here. Um, they care about the program, you know, and so that – and then I don't know how good of an influence I've been. Two have gone to nursing school and one's become a strength coach instead of a basketball. <laughs> but, but, um, but, you know, just trying to trying – to, uh, and, and the players you have, you know, you, you're always going to be um, – all the kids you coach, you're, you're always going to be linked to them. Um, and them link to you, whether they want to be or not, you know, uh, 10, 15 years from now, you hope that they do. Um, especially if you win, um, with them, um, you're always linked together. There's that, um, common thread, you know, and that, and they're, they're your kids and, 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 you know, for better or for worse for them, you're their coach, you know, and you're always linked together. So I always feel like, um, you know, uh, I'm starting to get invited to weddings, uh, for kids that played for us. So I feel like sure. uh, I've done some, I've, I've been a good, I hope I've been a good influence and it's not just the obligatory, we got to uh, invite coach to come. Um, but, uh, you know, and it's a satisfying feeling when, you know, I, you know, you always get the graduation announcements, but the one that floored me this year, um, I got a, a college graduation announcement from a kid that uh, was finishing, finished at West Point this spring. And that just kind of I, – I don't know why, but that just kind of hit a little bit different when you see that a kid um, – yeah, you know, I knew she was at West Point and she was going to grab – but you see that, A, she's graduating, so that means you've gotten four years older. But, um, but the fact that, that they're now going to – how do I say it? They have they, They've gone to West Point. They are now going to be protecting you, you, you know what I mean, and your country. Uh, in the military, and th- that's a, that that was a heavy thing to me when I sat down and thought about it. So, you know, um, I don't know if that any of that rambling made any sense to you, but it but does. How I feel about it, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and it, it's kind of cool. I mean, we've had an impact on our kids that we've coached. Uh, hopefully, we can have a positive impact. And nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes, but. It sounds like you made a tremendous impact and building that culture there at St. Pius. Hey, talk about what you're doing now, because 
I know we're working out not as much as we did a, a little while ago. We're not playing games, obviously. Uh, but, we're hey, hey, we're preparing for a season coming up. I know it might not happen, man, right. but if you got to prepare – like you're going to play, right, Coach? And right. what, are you guys, what are you guys doing now? Well, what we, we, what we did in June when we were able to, to do stuff is on Mondays and Wednesdays, we lifted at 7 in the morning. And then we did about 45 minutes of skill work in, in the gym. Um, you know, even when we were able to start, quote, unquote, scrim, uh, scrimmage each other, we really didn't do much of that. We just worked on some skill stuff about two days a week. And then we have four or five that play that have been playing in July at these events, which that's a whole nother story about how that's going on. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, so that, that's pretty much it uh, as a team. Um, we've not put in anything that, uh, cause, cause I mean, you, you've, you've seen us. Um, this is the first year in, this will be our 12th year here. This is the first year we've not had a kid six, one or taller. So I've, you know, we used to just, you know, we just run plays and, and pound the ball inside, and now, um, now we're going to be spreading out a little bit more. And and uh, I was hoping to have the whole summer to kind of get some stuff in, and we just haven't been able to do that, and that's fine too. Uh, but that's really all we've been doing as a te- from a team standpoint. Uh, from a staff standpoint, we've started looking at you know our new regions. We've started looking at film on the new region and seeing what you know what we need to be working on in the preseason. Um, checking out personnel from teams that are coming back. But, that, you know, that's pretty much it. We, we, I, I just didn't want to risk the scrimmaging and the close quarters. We would put three kids in a basket. We had 19 out there in our pod, uh, you know, our 20 or less. And, and, right. uh, and so, you know, we just worked on basic footwork. And, and, uh, and trust me, after two and a half months, they needed it. And then shooting and um, – and uh, that's that's really pretty much ball handling. But I, I was just so concerned about um, about something happening and us having to shut down that I just just didn't feel comfortable scrimmaging. Now in about two months, hopefully I'll, I'll I, I will feel comfortable in two months um, when we're able to to start. I'm you know I'm like you. We're preparing to play a season. I mean that we got the email the other day about the shot clocks. Right, Ernie sends it says right. nothing's changed. We're still on the original dates, so that's how we're approaching it. And I'm sure everybody else is too. Yeah, and I think that I think the the starting practice date I think is still the same, right? Yeah. Right, Kyle. Yeah. I don't think anything's changed. No, no, nothing. Nothing's changed. Uh, uh, they, you know, I was, uh, yeah, October 26th, I believe, is is the date. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, talk about your two state championships. Uh, I mean, many of us don't, don't haven't had that opportunity. Now, I, I would not say, uh, and I, I speak to a lot of coaches that have not won, right. and the, to me, they're still championship coaches. But that's a that's you got to be prideful in the fact that you guys won back to back state championships. What was the key separator that made that won that those championships for you? Was it that team chemistry? Was it just talent? I mean, how did y'all win those two? Asia Durr and Jasmine Carter. Um, they helped, uh, but no, <laughs> no kidding. No, I mean, I say that, uh, but it, obviously that helped. You know, you know, everybody knows good good players make good coaches. Um, but she, uh, but but those two um, helped. Obviously, uh, a lot of it was those kids have been playing together uh, that 
that class had been playing together. They won it their sophomore, junior years um, since fifth grade, you know, since fifth or sixth grade. So they had really, really good chemistry. Um, everybody got along off the floor. Uh, everybody was into each, um, you know, they, they, there was no, the competitive drive of those teams was, uh, was impressive, you know, because we, we, you know, it it would have been easy for, for, for us to, I don't mean this in a, in a demeaning way. It would have been easy for us in some games just to not practice for a couple days and roll the ball out. And we were just talent would take over, but those kids fought just as much in practice uh, competed just as much in practice because I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they knew some of our region games, um, you know, we weren't, we weren't going to be tested as much as we should or could. And so they really, really got after each other a lot uh, in practice. And I, obviously that carried over into the games and um, just their attention to detail, uh, their mindset, how they were able to um, turn it on, uh, as soon as they stepped out on the floor, you know, they, I mean, you know, they're goofballs. And then as soon as they walk out between the lines, they were like locked in ready for a good two hour practice. I don't know that we had, I mean, I'm sure we did. And I just can't remember since I'm old. Um, but I can't remember a bad practice in those, actually those four years, um, you know, uh, even Asia's senior year when we lost in the quarters to Buford, um, that was a really good team. And we, uh, I thought, you know, I thought thought we had all, all four of those years she was here uh, and the two Jazz was here, um, we had really good competitive nature with the teams. They have had a really good competitive drive. And, and I, I would have to say that. And the fact we, you know, scored a lot of points helped too, you know. So, but, uh, but it was fun. It was a fun ride. Um, you know, the biggest thing is, and you know this, uh, with friends in the business, it was hard. I mean, I, I had a really hard time when we pl- when we were preparing to play Buford because because uh, and it's not so much that you're playing Buford; it's that Gene and I are such good friends. It was and and it's the same way with Eric Willis this year when we when we had to play a game to see who got into the state playoffs. I hurt just as much for them after we win uh, as as much as I feel good feel feel uh, good for our players, you know. And that's that's the funny thing of coaching people don't. A lot of people that are that that aren't in it or whatever don't don't see that side of it. You know, they just think, "Hey, we won, and that's great." But you know, you hurt for your friend as much as you are enjoying the win for your kids. Now, I'm not going to give them the games back, but uh, but, <laughs> but uh, I mean, so um, but I would say that with those those teams. Yeah, I love that. Sounds like that that competitive excellence. Uh, you can teach that only to a certain degree, right, Kyle? Right. I mean, you have to be fortunate. I think you can really emphasize it in your drills and your culture and everything. But sometimes we are just fortunate to be blessed with those type of kids. Um, talk about your, your team coming back now and what are your, like, your non-negotiables? What is St. Pius girls basketball about? Oh, um, well, our squad coming back, you know, we lost um, – Big six two kid, Wiley Sheridan. She's actually going down the street to Oglethorpe to play. Um, so that's thirteen points and nine rebounds gone. And and we average about forty six points a game. So thirteen points is it's a big deal. But we had a good young young group um, coming back. 
uh, you know, have seven seniors, but uh, three of those started, and then uh, a, a sophomore starter. We, we bring four starters back, and we actually bring a fifth back. She sat out last year. Our point guard was a sophomore. She tore ACL playing soccer the spring before sophomore year. So so we have those kids back. So we're really excited about that. We feel like that um, that we can build off of last year's season. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we just – we're going to try to play hard. Um, I don't really – you know, we get into um, – we're going to defend, you know. Um, if you're not – if you don't defend, you're not going to play. I really – you know, it doesn't really matter how many points you score. Um, we, uh, you know, everybody's boxing out every every possession defensively. Um, I, I don't really – you know, a lot of the stuff is intangible that, that, we, that we do. Um, you know, just good attitude, work hard. Um, I don't, body language is really big with us. I'm, I'm not a big, uh, you know, you just, I'm really more of, would prefer them to be stoic, but you know, teenage kids aren't going to be stoic, but I'd like for them to, you know, just not, not, uh, no bad, you know, body language is, is really huge for us. Um, uh, positivity, really, I'm the only one that's supposedly allowed to be negative, um, and I, I do a pretty good job of it if, if you ask the girl, probably. Um, but positivity, good body language, um, you know, just competing and trying to play hard and really to play to the best of your ability. Um, and that's, that's what we talk about. We, everybody, we like everybody just to, and I hate to say this is a cliche now that Belgium, but just do what you're supposed to do. Uh, when you're supposed to do it and that's that's kind of how we are do what you do best and do it well uh, we talk about that a lot and i know that's this is mike may creator and owner of practice planner live software i'm excited about partnering with kevin Furtado and championship vision podcasts we share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession with over 26 years of basketball coaching experience I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. Sounds silly, probably, but um, that, that's, that's, pretty much, that's pretty much what we are. Um, what we try to, what we try to build on every day. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, um, Hey, if you can get three or four of those, that'd be great. It's a, it's a, it's a fight for your culture every day. Hey, give me an example about body language, Kyle, because we, you know, I got to tell you a story. Um, I was one day, um, on a huddle, we were, we were doing huddle and checking out video and I was kind of criticized, very critical of our kids body language on the bench. Uh, which is very rare, but I was looking at mine going, man, my body language is horrible. Right. I was yelling at a ref, and, and and the players were just laughing, and it was the best moment ever. Sometimes you just have to say, hey, you know what, my bad as a coach. I, yeah. And that really set the tempo like, hey, you know what, we're all accountable for poor body language, particularly coaches. What do you think about oh, that? Oh, absolutely, and, I'm, and, and I can tell you just from watching film, 
of our game, excuse me, uh, of watching uh, of our games the next morning afterwards. And, I, you know, in the way our gym is, our setup is behind the benches. So you have no choice but to see when the ball comes <laughs> down on your end. And, you, and I'm sitting there, there was there was one game last year, and I try really hard, and it's hard. Um, and anybody that's watched us play know that I'll have, you know, I'll have a few things to say to the officials occasionally. Um, some not as nice as others. But uh, but I saw myself after some, you know, a kid, kid, a kid did, you know, did everything well. And I think at the last minute may have, I can't even remember what she did, but it was a, it was a error out of aggression. You know, it wasn't, she was trying to do something, uh, um, playing hard, you know, doing it the right way. And there was just a mess up at the end. It was, it was a, just, she might travel or something, but she made a good move. She was playing, you know, doing what we wanted her to do. And, and I think I just, I stood there and I just dropped my head in my shoulders and I know if she looked over there at me she was she's probably like you know her right fell apart in a thousand pieces uh so yeah and and I even it's funny you say that about the film because there was a situation that was similar to that 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 we saw in the film one day and the girls were laughing at me but you know I I'm, I'm just a big believer if you miss a shot you miss a shot let's get back on the other end don't drop your head don't you know, drop your shoulders. Official makes a call. You think it's a bad call. I guarantee you when you watch it on film the next day, you're going to realize he was right 95% of the time. I hate to admit that. Um, yeah. But uh, don't throw your hands up in the air at him. Don't, or her, don't, um, you know, don't, don't talk to them. Um, the, the, I just think it look. I think it puts you mentally in it. You're allowing somebody now to dictate your actions. And, and that's just, you, you just, and I use this a lot because, because a, a lot, you know, I, I actually read more about football coaches and I, I don't know why that is, but I just, I like their org. I like, I just feel like football coaches do a really good job of organizing their, their, their uh, organizations, you know, what they've got to deal with because their staffs are so huge. Their teams are so huge, but, um, and I use this a lot. Each play, you know, has a life of its own, even in basketball, each trip down the floor, each possession has a life of its own, you, you, and we can't allow something that happened um, two two possessions ago affect how we're going to execute on this end defensively or or on the offensive end. You know, and so I think that's we just really try to emphasize that and explain that to the kids. You can't, you know, just keep playing, keep playing. Next play, next play. Don't, you know. And the other thing with the body language. You start showing bad body language, and then the opponent sees that, and they think, you know, okay, we can kick their butts now. You know, we're in their head. They're not thinking about the game. Um, they're more caught up in their own personal selfish, uh, uh, you know, what's happened to them in the game. So now we can take advantage of that. Yeah, and and I'm not sure if the college and the pro level are, are good examples sometimes, but um, – uh, but, you know, at the high school level, definitely you're representing your school, right? right. I mean, you're representing St. Pius. I can care less about the colleges and the pro game. Um, and you're representing – you want to be known as a class program. I know you do. Sure. Go, go into your defensive system. Give us something special. Now, I'm sure Eric Wallace is probably going to be listening to this, so you might have to be careful. But um, give us something, like, special that's unique to your defensive system. Well, um the fact that I'm still 
uh, still well. Now that we have the shot clock, shot clock, I'm excited. But I, but um, <laughs> for 12, 11 years now, we have run. You know, we run pack line, um, and that's really hard to do. And and we don't press a whole lot, uh, so that's really hard to do at this level without a shot clock. You know, we'll have 60, 90 second defensive possessions. Um, I think that. I mean, a lot of people probably play. Um, try to play it as well at this level. The thing that we do a little bit differently than some do uh, that play the pack line is, you know, we obviously we, we don't want them to drive outside, you know, drive baseline. Um, but, you know, we switch a lot more than, than pack line teams do. Um, we uh, especially, you don't see post to post screens much anymore because not many teams play three out, with three out and then two posts inside. So I don't know even know why I bother work on working on that in the preseason, how we defend that one. Um, those two things we do, um, we don't, and I just think it's a combination of, of um, our uh, speed, so to speak. Um, we don't get, we don't really, first of all, we don't guard a post unless she can shoot out beyond 15 feet. If the ball's being reversed, we've got no problem with it being reversed, whereas some coaches want to keep the ball on one side of the floor. I get that. We're just not going to come out. We're protecting the paint. Um, I mean, at all costs, we're protecting the basket. Um, and, and we don't – And for better or for worse, we, we don't put a whole lot of pressure on the ball. And I think that's just kind of happened over the course of time in that, uh, you know, the young ladies think that because you're inside the pack off the ball – um, that when they have the ball, uh, they don't really have to close. You know what I mean? They'll close out, but then yeah. they'll drop off a little bit. And some of that has to do with, you know, personnel too. You don't want to get driven by. And, and, and uh, sometimes we – more often than not, we're going to face a team that has a little bit more speed than we do. So we, we give a little bit more cushion. Uh, the other thing we do is we typically don't um, – we, we – uh, we, unless Wiley was involved, we switch – we almost switch all ball screens now um, that when Wiley's involved, when, when, when a post player is involved that we felt like was not as mobile and could switch, we would do, we would do more of a side hedge. We don't have a whole lot of ways we play ball screens. You know, some people have three or four or five ways. Um, we would side hedge and go underneath and let, even if, even if the person was a good shooter, we would go underneath cause we're still trying to protect against the drive off the, off the screen. Um, Th- those are pretty much some things that we do a little bit differently than, than most pack line teams do. But now that we have a shot clock coming in, um, hopefully that'll help a little bit. Uh, we won't have to play those um, marathon possessions. <laughs> yeah. That shot clock is going to be very interesting. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm not a big fan of it simply because, I've always been at schools where I had less talent, right? And, and, and I would grind you. I would grind you out. I mean, sure. I, I, I mean, so I'm not really a big fan, but I think it's good for the game. You know, I, I have conflicting because uh, thoughts on it. Um, I, I think some of it's because I've just gotten so used to playing without one. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, I'm excited about it. A lot of stuff we run with shot uh, or based off shot clock anyway, um, just because they're plays that terminate. Uh, quickly but um, the other thing is you know you're keeping teams teams are staying you can't run away and hide anymore from some teams you know you 
you uh, you don't have to they don't have to foul as much. Maybe they can get stops. Um, possessions are shorter, so you're keeping teams in games longer um, with the shot clock. Now I do see your and and that that could very all uh, very well be us too in our new region where if you know you you want to I don't know that takes a that much strategy out, but you'd like to be able to grind some games out too. You know, and we've we've uh, we've done both here. And uh, personally, I'm kind of like you. I like grinding games out. I like the game to be physical and and uh, you know just ground down to a halt. It's probably the reason us in North Oconee play games in the in the uh, upper 30s, low 40s because they're right. Yeah, those games, hey, those games, all your shot clock people are going to say, wow, you know, what about those two teams? And, hey, but, you know, I I, th- I think those games are just as pretty as a game that's 70 to 45. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of merit to that, but that's a whole nether podcast. Coach, go into your offensive system. Talk about, like, again, what is unique to your system? Are you guys going to – real? it sounds like to me – you guys really like to have half-court executions very important to you. We do. Um, for years, this year was the first year we didn't do it. Um, for years, we ran the old Carolina secondary break. And you don't, you just, you don't see that much in women's basketball because, uh, uh, you know, with the back screen and everything, it was amazing mm-hmm. how many times we would get that lob to start the game, though. Uh, but we would um, – we may bring that back this year, but I'm not going to give that away here. Um, uh, you know, but, but we do, we, we really emphasize execution. We love screening people. We love putting bodies on people. Um, especially if you're going to play us, man, we're going to, you know, we're going to head hunt. Um, we have, you know, and I don't know if it's good or bad. We've got, we won't get through them all, but we have a hundred plays, you know, I've got a boatload of plays and we'll, but, but we take, we put in and we take out based off of who we're playing. Um, so that, that's a little bit uh, unique for us. We don't have the whole complete package in. Now we may pull something later in the game that we know, you know what I mean? Uh, that, that we didn't think we would use, but now we're in a position where we have to. Um, we're really big on scoring on out of bounds underneath. Uh, we, we, um, you know, we we practice those a lot. Uh, that's that in, in zone offense. We screen zones. We don't run a whole lot of continuity offense against zones. I know most people do. Most people like a lot of cutters. We are we're going to screen. We're going to inside X. Um, we don't ball screen quite as much. That's the one thing we don't do a whole lot of is ball screening. Um, but yeah, we just we really like to just get the game into the half court and execute and get the ball to the people we need to get the ball to. Um, that we feel like can give us the best chance to score and win. And uh, people are like, you know, some people are like, you're not teaching them how to, well, we're teaching them execution. Um, but you got to remember the other thing at this level is not everybody's going to have six McDonald's All-Americans on their team. You know, not, <laughs> not everybody's uh, got an AU program run out of their gym. Um, and that's probably a little controversial to say. But uh, yeah, so, <laughs> but true. So some of it is, as coaches, we like to know who's getting the most shots. We can't run, you know. It, would it be great to run motion? Yeah, I'd love to do it and just let them have some freedom. We teach them how to read screens. Teach them how to read screens within this play. And what we, what if you know if the defender jumps over top? Let's 
back screen. If your person switches, let's switch it. If your person helps too too far, too you know, too high, we're going to slip it. Um, that's what I meant to say earlier. Slip. Um, yeah. You, you know, we're uh, we do teach them all that, but we also have to know where where we got to get the most shots. <laughs> the, the the players we need to score need to have need to be taking the most shots and in positions where they're going to be successful. And that, so that's what we're, what we tr- ultimately try to do because, and I'm not bemoaning this is high school sports. You have to have multi-sport athletes, but last year we started two, two softball players, uh, a, a basketball player and a volleyball player. You know, I mean, it, it, I'm not saying that they, they're also basketball players, but they play other sports. So that's another that's another reason why we've got to know who's who's getting shots and where they're getting them from. Yeah, talk about with the shock. Well, of course, the shot clock's not going to be fully in next year, but in the next coming two three years. But um, talk about your play because I, I really find this an interesting study. Is in your play, you're looking for obviously your main option, or on your plays, are you having a decoy and then having your really your main kid come off maybe a, another staggered screen? I mean, how, what's your philosophy of your set plays? Well, um, most of them are, are run for the person we need, but also has like a, a you know, secondary and a, and a tertiary um, option. Uh, but most of the time we're trying to get it to the person. Now, occasionally, um, occasionally we, we, you know, we have, we have plays for different people that we look like, uh, you know, look like could be going, could be a decoy for the person that's normally taking a lot of shots. The, the one thing we'll do is, is our, our, we like to do, and we hope we do a good job with it is our posts and our wing spots are, um, are interchangeable. Um, so, you know, whichever way we run the play, we can run the play, but you know, some, play, some, some teams will run the play to only one side because they're only trying to get that one kid open. We'll, um, right. We'll run it to – we feel comfortable running it both ways. I don't know that I feel comfortable sometimes running it the, you know, the other way so it's for somebody else, but sometimes uh, the situation dictates that. Um, so we do have that. Um, we, ha- you know, we, have, we have a lot of – well, we used to have a lot of post-ups. We're not going to have a whole lot now. Um, but uh, – but that that's that's pretty much what we try to mirror the play. We also run the same play out of different sets. So you think it's the you think it's a different play if you're scouting it. But then once everything goes, then it's it's the same play, just different set. You know, we'll box it, we'll stack it, we'll invert stack it, we'll one four high it, um, right. stuff like that. That's that's interesting. Um, do you find that teams like late in the state tournaments, they have you well scouted? How do you counter that if a team is really taking away that first or even second option? How, how do you counter that? Um, just don't run the play. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Going to the play. All right. I like that. I mean, that's a, I'm, just, I'm just joking uh, a little bit. Um, the, the, the thing that we do over the course of the year is um, we, we will have, we will have um, one play and then we'll have like four or five different wrinkles off of it so that right. we can run it. You know, we can run 
if we wanted to, we could run all five, five in a row and it wouldn't be the same thing, you know, and we try to save those until we get deeper in the season into the second round of region play or the region tournament. We also have a package that we have that's just, you know, um, tournament only. And we'll practice that maybe 10, 15 minutes a week, uh, just one, you know, maybe 10, 15 minute period uh, each week during, during the, uh, during the regular season so that we have it so that when we come back to the tournament portion at the end of the year, if we're fortunate enough to get into it, we, uh, we can pull some of those out too, so that it's something fresh, something new. The kid, and I'll tell you, the kids really love that because they think they're being tricky. You know, they're like, Oh, we got something new now. And it gets, it, it piques their interest. They get, they get, uh, they get excited. They really get excited when it works, you know, when it works right. in the game, they, a lot of the times I'll take some of that stuff early, early in the year when we haven't started talking about tournament time and draw it up for, for, you know, when we're in one of our, one of our half court offense blocks and uh, draw, draw one up for one team and draw one up for the other team. And when, and if they work, they just get, you know, they're like, let's put it in now. I said, no, no, we're not putting that in now. Well, and I'll walk off and act like I've forgotten about it. And then two weeks later, they'll see it. And wait a minute. Didn't we? So, um, but, you know, it, it varies. There's there, there were a couple times in the state tournament where I felt like some te- – you know, Buford's always got you scouted well. I mean, they, they do a great job. Uh, um, you know, North Oconee does a great job having you scouted. And then we would play some teams where I think they just – you know, they, they, they watched some film just to get familiar with you, but for the most part they weren't going to – they weren't going to, you know, inundate their kids with a whole lot. They were just going to focus on what they did. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, and there's that fine line, you know, Kevin, there's that fine line. Do you give them too much? Or are you giving them not enough? Um, and, and I walk that a lot uh, with, am I, am I giving them too much stuff? And we've got paralysis by analysis during games and, and uh, they can't really, they're having to think too much instead of just react and just play, you know? Right. Um, and you guys are, are now five, a correct? Correct. Five. Yes. Yes. Well, the, the good thing is, the Buford's moving the six A, so that's a good thing for you guys, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it sounds like to me you guys enjoy the challenges of playing a team like Buford as well. Um, talk about like in state tournament play, either on offense or defense. What are some things that you guys have struggled with or you're trying to get better at so you can move to that next level? Um you know, th- things that we've really struggled with uh, the last couple of years are, um, especially, especially two. Well, even even this past year, I thought we handled pressure well against Woodward, but uh, ultimately we we just didn't score enough. Um, I think I I think as we've gotten into state play the last three years, I, our turnovers have just been, you know, outrageous live ball turnovers. I'm I'm not one of these that's going to lose their mind over dead ball turnovers because you're able to, you know, you're able to set yourself up and defensively and at least give yourself a chance on the, on the, uh, on the defensive end. But the last, if that, if I could go with the common denominator all the way back to 16 is live ball turnovers have been at crucial points of games where we have, um, where, where we have the game's been somewhat in the balance or it's like a two or three possession game. And then we just have three, you know, three or four straight live ball turnovers that leave open, you know, easy baskets. And then we're, 
you know, we're just done there. You know, you can't come back from that. Um, offensively, I mean, you know, that, that would be it defensively. I just think, um, yeah, I think we've been pretty solid. We've always had a pretty solid defensive game plan and the, and the ladies have been able to, to try to execute as best they can against who we were playing with or playing against rather. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'd probably like to get into a little bit more, uh, press a little bit more as we get deeper in the season, um, mm-hmm. just to try to create some easy baskets for you because you need easy, easy baskets in the yeah. tournament, you know, and, and since we don't press a whole lot, that's, that's hard for us. Yeah, and I, I appreciate – I always love picking the brain of coaches about that because we're all trying to learn. Um, do you think um, the game really, the rebounding side and taking care of the ball, I really feel like those are such two key areas. Do we as coaches spend enough time on rebounding? I know I emphasize rebounding, but it seems to be a common denominator in a lot of wins and losses oh. is rebounding. Yeah, you know, when, when it, it's funny. It's funny you ask me that because um, I go back and forth on this. Se- seasons where we have not – now, we've been fortunate the last four years because we've had um, the tallest girl more often than not, and she's pulling down close to 10, 11 rebounds a game. And we graduated a kid two years – three years ago now, I think, or no, Catherine finished two years ago. She's a volleyball player, and she averaged 12 rebounds a game for her career. So we didn't spend a whole lot of time. On, so I don't know if it's a direct correlation to that. The years we haven't spent a lot of time on rebounding, running rebounding drills and stuff like that, we may do one every you know three days a week or something, have been the years we've rebounded the ball well. And then the other years where we've really put an emphasis on it, we're you know teaching technique and blocking out and – and putting bodies on people, you know, cracking people and going and getting the ball, our rebounding has suffered. You know, so I don't know what the what the balance is there because you need to rebound the ball. I mean, that's how you win. Rebounding a defense to me is how you win. I'm sure that goes all the way back to Dave Odom now. He's the same way um, or was the same way when he was coaching. And that's just kind of been ingrained in me from the beginning. Um, but – yeah, I, I, we've started now, instead of having drills, re, just strict rebounding drills like circle the wagons and stuff like that, we have, uh, we've just decided we're just going to emphasize that we've got one coach that all they're worried about when we go five on five or four on four or, or in our shell drills and stuff is if everybody's boxing. And we're, you know, and we don't condition, you know, I don't waste time running in practice. And I know that sounds um, silly, but, but um, we just, we don't do it for, for, you know, we get after them for mistakes and like they do push-ups and stuff like that, but we don't put them on a line and make them run gassers and stuff. If they don't, you know, don't have a box out, we'll, we'll sub them out and sub somebody else in. Uh, and here's the thing on that. When we sub somebody else in for you, you know, you've messed up because our rule is we don't sub you. We don't sub in. The kids have to sub themselves in because we think, that helps us see who really wants to be out on the floor because you'll have Hmm. two or three kids, you know, you have two or three kids every year that, that like being on the team, like the t-shirts and stuff. But when it's time to practice and get out on the floor and compete, um, they get out there for one or two plays 
and usually are trying to wait for somebody to sub them in. Well, when you put <laughs> on them to do it and they don't come out for two or three minutes in a, in a drill or something, uh, you know, they've, they've pretty much told you they don't want to play. Um, and then that begs the question, why do you keep them? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more people. A lot of people won't probably won't believe this, but I, uh, I can be a little bit too compassionate. Hi, this is Kirk Gilsdorf, Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast. Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work. And at times. And I uh, keep some people probably sometimes when I shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, it's about giving those kids an experience of being on a team, too. I think that's what it sounds like, and, and I think that's important, though, Kyle. Hey, Kyle, let's go into a, a practice planning because you can't be a consistent winner like you have been without being organized. Talk about what you guys do in practice. Um, well, uh, we, we um, every day we try to spend 20, 20 minutes. It, it's about two hours in the preseason. Uh, before season, st- I mean, you know what I mean when I say preseason, before games start. Um, sure. I don't want somebody to think we're practicing before October 26th because some people will take misconstrue that. Um, you know, we'll go two hours. We'll go about 20 minutes uh, skill work uh, and shots at the beginning and practice if we can. To me, practice is team time. Skill work is in your individual workouts. We still incorporate some skill stuff. Uh, we spend about 45 minutes – um, and I'm probably not going to do the math right, uh, 40 to 45 minutes on our half court and our um, half court defense and any zone defense we may be um, silly enough to play or me to practice. Um, I'm not a big zone fan, as you can tell. <laughs> and then we'll go into our um, transition offense or, or our secondary stuff, um, our press attacks, we work on those work on that stuff almost every day, and and it's funny. Jasmine came back um, from when she played at Georgia. She came back for a couple practices, and she said, "You know, I forgot how much we scrimmage." And I said, "Well, I just think, you know, I think you've got to go um, five on five a lot because that's how the game's played." Now we still do our shell drills, and we'll do some three on three stuff and two on two when we're building up our defense early in the season. But I think once you get into the season. You've got to start scrimmaging more, and you have to start scripting stuff out. Like, for example, we will, um, as we get into the season, we'll play what we call four possessions where we actually script the first four possessions of a game uh, based off of who we're playing. For, you know, for example, um, you know, if we're playing a team that scores and likes to press after scores, we will start offensively. Um, actually, we start with a jump ball. Uh, because we're scripting the first couple of minutes of the game. And we will, uh, whoever wins, you know, you win the toss. You're just, you know, the other team's def- on defense. And the team that the first or the second unit becomes pious. 
um, on offense. Okay, so we've won the we've won the toss, and so we go against whatever their primary defense is. If it's a zone, we let them get into zone off the tip, so that we can run what we want to run on that possession. Then we have, then when we score or if we miss, we come back. We're in we're, we're in our man, and they'll uh, run one of their plays. Then we'll come back against whatever defense if they're press if they score and they press, we run our press attack again. We just try to want to get them used to how the game's going to flow and how the game's going to work. We feel like that's been pretty successful. And then um, as we get into the season, we, we uh, games, you know, the last 15 minutes is our scout stuff. We don't do a whole lot of walking through the opponent's stuff anymore because we try to go to, to cover actions, how we defend actions now. We used to be really big on, on uh, you know, they're like they, they call Tiger. Well, when they call Tiger, this was what they run. You know, and then we'll walk them through it how we want to fit it. Now we're just like, okay, this play is going to have, you know, it's going to have a dribble handoff with a backside stagger. We're going to trail that out like we normally do. The dribble handoff, we'll switch it, and then we'll, you know, zone up on the, in the eye and the on the, uh, you know, on the backside stuff like that, so that they and we will have worked on that in our shell drills and stuff during the preseason. So we're not, you know, we're not kind of taking game to game what they do. Now we as coaches know and we know what they're coming out and probably gonna come out with a timeout and stuff like that. But our last fifteen minutes once we is more scout stuff and, and going over personnel and, and stuff like that. And then any new thing we put in any new thing we put in, we try to walk through the first five minutes of practice, then we stretch and then at the very end we'll go through it again so that they're tired, you know, and so they're having their brain is having to to go into think mode when they're tired so that when they're in games uh, and they're tired late in games, their brain, you know, cause you know, brain's first thing to go when you get tired. Mm-hmm, for sure. So we try to keep it engaged so that they're used to that when they get into games. And a lot of times they're not, but is we try. Yeah. And I appreciate you uh, sharing that. Cause that's interesting. Um, cause I, I interview a lot of coaches and some are breakdown guys small-sided games, technique. I had one coach the other day. He told me he was really uh, – he's been very successful. He says, Coach, we don't scrimmage until the end of the practice, and we drill them, drill them, drill them. And it's like this guy's had a lot of success, but, hey, it's whatever you believe in, right? Yeah, whatever you're comfortable with, too. Because kids will see – you know this, kids will see – kids will see when you're not comfortable with something and, and, uh, and you don't, you're not comfortable with teaching it. And I'll give you a perfect example at the beginning of the year this year. I decided we're going to be more up the line, on the line, because we have we had some pretty good length, and we worked on you know denying, getting out there, switching everything, and the kids could tell I wasn't bought into it, and I really wasn't because I mean I, I was from a standpoint of you know maybe it'll turn turn teams over, or it'll be something different, and everybody's seen us pack line for nine, ten years now. It's going to be you know. The, and then about midway through the season, even though we had had some success, we started the year 12-0, and 0, we had two games in a row where we just were awful and we got beat both games. And uh, one, of them, one of them was the situation where we just weren't quick enough to, to play that way against the other team. And so thankfully we had so many old kids. We said that next practice, whenever that was after that game, we're going to give a crash course to the two freshmen in pack line for two days before our next game. And we started throwing the three guards back 
on defense when a shot goes up and stuff like well, of course we had that luxury with our size um so yeah i think the kids if the I, you just got to do what you're comfortable with you know because the kids can see through it the kids can tell when you're when you're not comfortable with what you're teaching you don't and and you're you're not completely sold on what you're teaching they can see that yeah no doubt and, and don't we all fight the battle i guess you know we want to give our kids repetitions right reps right and mastery and then we want to put them in game situations um i have found out kyle that i i i do it differently myself i'll do a um a skill and then we'll scrimmage and then i'll go back to the skill because basically what i'm trying to do is teach and then quiz teach quiz and that's what i believe in that's that's i i like that we may we may incorporate some of that (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not kidding. I do like that because you're you're focusing on one thing, and then you throw them out there in that situation or what you need, what you want them to do, and just see how they react to it. And yeah, it's like you know, yeah, teach then test. I, I do like that. Um, but yeah, you, it, it's that again, it's that fine balance of getting enough reps for your the kids that need the reps. Um, if you, if you catch my drift, I, I, I listened to a sure. podcast with Jeff Van Gundy one time and he was like, um, you know, every, you know, as coaches, we all worry about, you know, how are we going to get this person 12 or 14 minutes that doesn't start, or we need to get him some more. No, you need to play the best players more minutes. You know, you don't need to be worrying. Um, <laughs> sure. Of course that, that works better at other levels than our level. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, always that thing of, are we getting enough reps for the people that need to get the, enough reps? Are we still building the people behind them that don't play as much that God forbid you have an injury or something. And then, and then uh, it's the next person up, you know, so you've got to have build that foundation with them. So you feel comfortable sliding them in too. So yeah, it's a delicate balance with that. And then they, you still want them to be able to play and compete, you know, against each other too. So I, uh, you know, it is, it is a practice planning is a, is an inexact science, you know? It sure is. Yeah. And, and, and give me something that you do at St. Pius. And I appreciate you kind of sharing what the insights and what you do. Give me like one drill. Somebody, man, I'm going to run that St. Pius drill oh. that Kyle Snipes. Oh. Give me something that you guys love to do. <laughs> Hold on. Let me think for a minute. What do I love to do? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of the one. Think of what we do every. Oh, we close out every day. Uh, I don't know that it helps because you get in games and you're watching film and you're like, that's not how we worked on it. We do closeouts every day. Um, is there? I mean, I'm just trying to think if there's one drill that we do that anybody would really like that we do. Um, it would. Yeah, I don't know. I, the, the one. The one drill that I enjoy doing because I just like torturing the kids and watching them do it is uh trail we call it the 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 trail trailing cutter drill where we just put a um and if you've seen a dick bennett uh video on dvd of of the pack line or anything like that you'll you'll know we put a post player on either or just any player on either about uh about a foot and a half off either lane line the first hash above the block they have a person guarding them and then you've got one person stationed on the on right underneath the basket, and a defender um, is defending that person, and they've got to chase her out off those screens, and she just goes back and forth, back and forth, mm. 
with a coach sure. ball up at the top. And I, I love doing that one. We do that about three times a week, even if we're not playing anybody that has uh, that that's doing any staggering or any pin downs or anything. I just love doing it just to watch them, you know, and uh, just get them going. And we do that early in practice so that they're they get a good sweat worked up and they and and you know you know I like it because when I say okay this is what we're doing, you get the uh, you get the grumbles you know under their breath, the groaning under their breath, and I'm like yeah 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 good. They don't like this. So we're gonna do. Uh, but I don't know if anybody would want to do that if they like torturing their kids like that. <laughs> no, it sounds like a great drill. I mean, you're you're really working on you know toughness, fighting through those screens, and uh, that's what it sounds like to me. On that, the, the toughness drills to me are always the key. Uh, you got to have those in your practice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't make practice easy. Practice has got harder than the games, and some you know. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a cliche. I know everybody says that, but but it's true. <laughs> yeah. So. Coach, hey, uh, before you go, talk about uh, what you've learned. Man, we've had a lot of time off, Coach. I, you know, I'm, of course, I run a podcast, but sure. I've listened to so many different things, virtual clinics. What have you learned? You and your staff have learned this off season, four or five months during this pandemic that you're going to carry to this year. Well, we've we've really done a deep dive into uh, the five out, and we've um, you know positionless, uh, which is hard for me because I'm a traditional you know three out two in guy. But um, and we've studied we've studied uh, West Virginia's five out. We have studied um, uh, Villanova's women Harry Peretta's five out that they run mm-hmm. um, that has the different screens and and um, you know, he's got this his numbering system. I don't. And then we've we've looked at some other stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much the the Brooklyn Nets or the I still call them the New Jersey Nets, but the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> yeah. and the uh, and uh, the Raptors and, and Milwaukee Bucks. I don't I don't know that their five out can translate as well to our level because of the defensive rules. But I think some of the uh, some of the stuff they run off out of that, um, you could you know like kind of meld into that five out stuff we've really we've really gotten into that um yeah yeah I know coaches read a lot I um or try to read a lot I I've not read as much as I really wish I had during this break Uh, I actually told my wife the other day I said you know I'd be okay with another two-week lockdown just so I can you know read or or do some other stuff um that I that I didn't get to do around the house other than you know cleaning out the garage and stuff like that um, uh, but, um, you know, we, I've, I've started a few, but, you know, a couple books, it takes what it takes is obviously a really good book. I find myself every year rereading, and this is a book, it's out of print now. And Bob Starkey always talks about it. And this is how I pay, the assistant at Texas A&M women's assistant who's been around a long time. Excellent, excellent teacher, um, to always talked about finding the winning edge by Bill Walsh and, I said, well, I'm going to look and see if I can find it. And this was about 10 years ago. And, um, and I, I looked at it. I'm like, oh, man, it's out of print. And they're $450 for a book. I can't afford that. And one day on eBay, I just happened to look, and there, there was one on auction that was about to end, and the high bidder was, was like 175 And so in like the last 30 seconds, I said, you know what? I'm just going to deal with 180 and I clicked 180 and got the book and I read it and it's fascinating. And I find myself coming back to that one a lot. 
And then right now I'm reading the story of in and out Burger. Um, <laughs> the, you know, in and out Burger, the chain, that's, that's the book. Okay. Yeah. So I've read a little bit, but yeah, we've really done a, done a, really gotten into the five out stuff and, and uh, trying to figure out how that's going to work for us. I'm trying not to have, I'm trying not to put in, you know, 300 plays um, that we're just shuffling through every night. Yeah. And that's going to be a little bit different, right? Because if, if you run a lot of sets, the five out is, you know, Hey, you got to rely on decision-making and, and good execution, right? Oh, oh, of course on the half court sets too. Sure. So that's going to be a little different style, right? It is. And I'm going to have to have a, a, a tremendous amount of patience and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. have a lot of grace for the kids, but yeah. And that's why I'm a little disappointed. We didn't have this time in July, June and July to really, uh, and we don't do a whole lot in July. This is most we've ever done in July, but um, since right here, but I really wish we'd had June just to kind of really get some, some, uh, uh, small sided games with it just so that they could see how we're reading stuff and, and everything instead of trying to crash course it in a week, you know, two and a half weeks before, for our first game. Yeah. And I wish they would just say the Georgia high school and I, I I've interviewed Ernie and um, all the guys there. And I wish they would just say, Hey, you know what you guys, if you want to practice, you don't have to do the, the, the four on one, whatever. If you want to continue practicing, if you have kids that are not playing fall sports, go ahead and practice. Um, and I, I'm not sure they really said anything about that. I mean, I think they have, they have to allow basketball to kind of pull the kids that are in travel ball right now and allow us to practice without any penalties. Sure. I, I mean, that would – that would you know, that – I hate to say this, but anytime you say say that that makes sense, um, normally the opposite uh, happens. Um, so the opposite <laughs> decision is made. I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible. You know, if, if they have to push, and I was talking about this to someone the other day, I'd be okay if you push us back to January 1, if you have to do that. Um, and, but let us start practicing in November. Um, right. You know, right. have like a training camp and we can – and then, uh, and then, if that were the case, waive the weeknight rule and let us go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, so that we do have a day of prep in between. But since we've gotten so much work done early, if you're if you're staying with me here, you get so much work done early, you're not having to do as much on those off days, and you can get game, you know, you can get your region games in. I know it's not the traditional Tuesday Friday format, and some people may not like playing that quick. But how many people play Friday Saturday games? What, what, you know, I'm, you know, we're adding a, you know, adding a day in Tuesday, you know, Wednesday and, and um, you have one day of prep on each at least. I mean, yeah, that makes a lot. Yeah. I, I love that. And my AD mentioned too, Kyle, that might be the best thing just to play region games and don't, and to have played not because what's going to happen. We all know this. Somebody's going to, somebody you play, it could be you yeah. that, you're going to have a COVID situation. You're going to have to be out for 14 days. That allows you to make up those games at a later time, really without penalty. Um, and uh, just playing less, almost like what the NCAA is doing and just playing conference games. Right. Right. And that, the, and I don't see a problem with that. The only, the only thing I've thought about is what do you do with those regions that have, you know, small numbers, um, that's true. Do, yeah. Well, no, I mean, maybe they play each other three times instead of two. Play three times. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, um, I'm okay with that. That, 
you know, we, we would lose out on playing Blessed Trinity and Maris, but that would be only for here. And that's, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to cry myself to sleep over that. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, re, to, I'm a region, I'm a region guy. Um, you know, those other games to me are exhibitions. Do I like to win them? Yes. And that's probably not something that, you know, if you're a pious fan, um, like to hear, but, uh, but I'm more concerned about league games than I am. Uh, I want to win all, win them all, but if I want, if we're going to win, I'd like for it to be the league games instead, you know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we all, we all have those gate games, right? You're right. Those, Friday nights and so forth. And, and and they might say, hey, you know, we're allow we're allowing you maybe one or two gate games. Sure. Um, I mean, they, hey, right now, man, it's it's we. I think we need more input from the coaches to kind of help this situation out. Which I'm not sure how much they're doing, but um, I think we there's there's solutions to this problem. There there are. Um, I you know I just don't know if they're ready to talk about winter sports yet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, maybe I know our, uh, us basketball coaches are. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm ready. To go. <laughs> That's right. Kyle, I really appreciate you joining me, man, sharing about your program, giving great insight. I know, uh, I know a lot about your program now. Um, I really appreciate you joining me, man. Thank you. Pre- thank you for being part of our uh, podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. I hope, uh, hope everybody was able to stay awake with me talking, you know, because. Oh, for sure. No doubt. Hey, how how can people get a hold of you? How, how can they get a hold of me? Uh, yes. Well, uh, the best thing is just my email is K Snipes, um, like Wesley, but no relation, right? When you're spelling it, at spx.org. Um, and then I can give you my cell phone out of that. I'm, I, I don't mind giving my cell phone on this, but my wife doesn't like my phone ringing after seven o'clock most. most of, we instituted that was the age of recruiting rule i didn't take any phone calls after 7 30 you could text but yeah because i was getting you know they were calling at all hours of the night and uh, i go to bed at 9 30 so that's that's hard <laughs> yeah that's right you're an early bird man i, I tell you or, or yeah i mean i like i love that trying to stay healthy well i don't know how good i'm i don't know how healthy i've stayed but uh you know i get up about 4 30 quarter five and now that we have a new yeah. dog thanks to covid um I'm out walking him now. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. Coach, thank you so much, man. I'm hopeful. I'm hoping that we all get to play soon and so forth. And I wish you the best of luck this season. Good luck to you guys too. And, uh, you know, when you have camp next year, you know, we have team camp next year, just hit me up. We'll, we'll ride down for a day for sure. That'd be great. Absolutely. Uh, and I'll make sure we stay in contact with that. Thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing. Thank you. Take care. All right, take care, Coach. Bye-bye. Hey, Coaches. This is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, 
or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Hi, I'm Alex Stevenson, Athletic Director and Girls Basketball Coach at Dodd City. I've been at Dodd City for seven years. During those seven years, we've won seven district championships, been to six regional tournaments and three state championship games. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, what it brings and the platform that we're able to share knowledge and wisdom on and, and grow as coaches.